This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Doug and Adrian. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, mutant goons from beyond. We got a real good one. Let's dip your tits in this chocolate goo. <laughs> How scrum titillyumptious. I know. Hey, guys. I can't wait to talk about what uh, chicken beheadings, child kidnappings, and a psycho with a top hat all have in common. It's Aid. So you both hinted at the horrors that await our fan in the final week of May Be It's Horror. Adrian, would you like to walk us through what we're talking about for this send off? Well, we're talking it's scrumdillyumptious. It's everybody's non-pollutionary, anti-institutionary, pro-confectionary factory of fun, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yay. Now, I know that people have made the horror comparison with Willy Wonka in the past. Part of the reason we chose this movie was our Patreon patrons were kind enough to vote on this. And there was a three-way tie, so we decided to take one of them out. And we're going to use the rest on our Patreon bonus episode, where we're going to be talking about basically grab bag of several films that could arguably be horror. This one, I think, in simplest terms, if you have toys as horror, this is like proto toys to me, but like with music. Am I is that an oversimplification in terms of how unsettling it is? No, I, I mean, here's the thing with toys is purposely, I th- you know, the set pieces were all designed for that. This movie feels more whimsical than toys, in my opinion. But the way it is, it, just imagine if Jigsaw was to have a chocolate factory, because not, not in terms of like killing people, but in terms of everything was preconceived beforehand. Everything was thought out. Everything was planned. Everything was written in notes. Yep. And it's just, it, it comes down to the end where it's like, oh, if it was a twist ending, you were chosen all along. Exactly. This is this is a foregone conclusion. Yeah, no, that is a really good comparison with Jigsaw there, because I didn't see that. I mean, as soon as you said that, I kept, oh my gosh, yes. I don't know how it does with toys, per se, except for maybe the hat, right? Because he's got that weird hat. Okay, that's fair. I I don't know. When you're a kid, when you you watched Willy Wonka for the first time as a kid, weren't you like... (gasps) So I liked this movie because it was sad and weird. He is a haunting wraith of a figure wafting through this film. He is sorrowful. And the only times he's interacting with people is when he's purposefully making them uncomfortable. Like when he pulls out Mike TV's hair. For no reason, like little things like that, where he's making you unsettled psychologically, literally physically. It's very interesting. He doesn't he never creates a narrative. Maybe I had read too many Batman comics by the time that I you know, saw this film. because I'm like, he's virtually indistinguishable from the Joker. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, too, like what makes the because he doesn't even come out until 45 minutes into the film. crazy long. Yeah, I realized I'm like, wow, it takes a bit. But the thing is, it's like two different movies in one. You yep. see like the depressing home of, of, of Charlie Bucket. And it's just like, man, this is poverty level. It's like Alabama in here. But you know. <laughs> Munich, but close. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But no, it, what's crazy after watching this again, too, and why the, the toys differentiating is that with toys, Robin Williams is this man child that kind of doesn't know better, but he learns his way. This one, Wonka, is not a man. He's a mastermind. He has everything planned out. He knows the parent, like he scopes everyone out. Like he won't show it. And that's why he does like the random singing or like the random poems when someone asks something. And it's just, everything's preconceived. So I think that makes him much creepier than than Robin Williams and toys. Because toys, there really is no, in- well, well, there's the army guy, but you know. Yeah. Well, also in toys, Robin Williams, I feel had good intentions. Whereas I don't necessarily believe that 
Willy Wonka has the best intentions for anybody in his factory. And even the Oompa Loompas, like they could just be his slaves. They are. Yeah, he just enslaved them all. Yeah. He like he like took them all from uh, you know the the swang dinglers and the uh, what was it the vermicious knits. <laughs> <laughs> and and truly, if it's a slave or an indentured servant who literally has nowhere else to go, it's also a slave. So that's pretty clear. Now, Doug, you had mentioned Saw as a comparison. I've always, and this is, I swear on my life, this isn't some trendy thing. I've always compared this movie to Seven since I saw seven. I obviously saw this first, right? But when you think about the embodiment of the seven deadly sins, and so I like looked online to see if this was kind of a popular theory. It was drawn, but very rarely is it to the film seven. It was always more to just the general seven deadly sins. So can we collectively kind of come up with some? Because I I have a slightly askew version I'd like to talk to you about in terms of assigning who is what. Yeah, so that that's actually a good comparison because I thought of the same thing too. So so gluttony definitely with uh, Augustus Gloop. Um, Bingo. And yeah, so gluttony and then um, bratty entitlement, which is Veruca. You know, Violet, I don't really. Violet's just pride. she's spoiled. A pride, yeah, yeah. Cool it, mother. Because she has a world record. She has the world record against her friend. She keeps repeatedly bringing it up. Yeah, oh, if I said that as a kid, if I said, call it, mother, I would have been smacked the shit out of. <laughs> I'd still be limping today if I did that. Yeah, and then I think they even say, like, oh, Veruca's worse than, than Violet, because there's even ones, I laughed out loud. Veruca says something, she's like, I wanted this, daddy! And then Violet just turns around, she's like, can it, you nit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's some cheese here. And then Mike TV, it, he wasn't necessarily bad, he was just obsessed with TV, and a crazy thing too, I, I picked this up again, and you know, now that we're seeing it in like horror vision eyes, is that these kids are spawns, like these kids are embodiments of their parents. Yeah. So the parents, how they train their, like, oh, I'm just going to sit my kid in front of the TV and, uh, you know, this is going to be him, or I'm going to give Veruca whatever she wants to keep the child happy. You know, yeah. that's what life's all about, right? When she's always, quote unquote, happy, she's never happy. I had a youth pastor once tell me where it's always sunshine and never rain. It's a desert and nothing grows. And it's kind of like this where he's constantly placating her over and over again. Her natural status quo is this self-righteous indignation. I need to be stimulated and pleased. And so she's actually Veruca is the hardest one for me in terms of the way I've always viewed it, because I think she easily fits envy because initially everything she wants is by comparison. Mm -hmm. Then she's very greedy. But then I think I reached the one that I I aspire to most, which is wrath. I think she embodies wrath much more than Wonka, while so many people say that because he has that temper tantrum at the end, that's what he is. But I have something more lurid in the wings for him. Oh, man. You got anything to add to that aid about the, uh, the seven deadly sins? No, I could definitely see Veruca being wrath, especially during her in, her entire song. And I think she's the only kid that gets a song, right? Now that I'm thinking about it. That she gets to sing, aside from Charlie, yeah. Yeah, well, Charlie, you know, Charlie's the main character, but she's, and she was always my favorite. I don't know why she was always my favorite when I was watching this as a kid. Like, she was the most interesting. I felt like her whole arc was the most interesting. Like, even when she's in the factory and the shell, the, all the girls are shelling the peanuts for the, or they're not shelling peanuts, they're shelling maca bars. And the mom's up there with needle pointing and she's like, you're going to be very unpopular in this house. And you just sort of see so much more of a dynamic between both the parents with Veruca. There was more time spent on her. And I'm not really sure why, except that I think that she's probably the most interesting of all of them. 
I think that's fair. She's definitely the most dynamic for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the thing is too, and not to harken back on the the remake, but she, I think she's like the most memorable character because in the remake, I don't even remember Veruca in the remake. Like yeah. I can't recall anything she says. I'm like, no, you need that really bratty attitude. She's like a real life version of Angelica, even worse, you know. For, <laughs> for the wow, Angelica good point. Pickles. <laughs> yeah, and and another thing too. So I, I picked this up too, and basically going into the whole seven thing. And I did notice this, you know, watching these movies all these years. But when these kids are getting the golden tickets, Slugworth is everywhere. So as mm-hmm. soon as they win it, they know. So I don't think it was randomly put there. It was purposely Wonka selected these people and he sent Slugworth yep. to go out and talk mm-hmm. to them just to test them. So see, there's the jigsaw mentality testing. The only one who kind of happens upon is Mike TV. He just kind of uh, versus Augustus is a glutton. So obviously he would eat a lot. You know, you had uh, Veruca who's manufacturing the scenario to get it. You have Violet who has changed her entire candy intake to plan around it. And she's a world record holder. So she's probably has some degree of fame or notoriety. So like you said, all these other kids seem to have a little bit more going on than the kid peddling his newspapers around town. So Before I get too far, the way I have assigned it, like you said, gluttony for Augustus, pride for Violet, wrath for Veruca, sloth for Mike, greed goes to Grandpa Joe, envy goes to Charlie, which leaves lust for Willy Wonka. All of you hack motherfuckers out there who thought you were going to get around me and say Charlie was lusting after stuff to lust after material possessions. That is envy. Idiot, look at Gene Wilder's face during this whole movie. He's about to come in his khakis. The suspense is terrible. I hope it lasts. He says like a gimp adorned in leather. Oh, yeah, that's why I have this background here with the condescending Wonka. Yeah, yep. see, that's that's like the best. And the funny thing is, too, I mean, not to go off topic, but when I used to work at Geek Squad and Best Buy, I used to I used to pull Wonkas to the rude customers or like people that are like, oh, I'm like when I say, oh, this MacBook Pro has this in there. I'm like, can you guess how many gigabytes of storage it has? 512. Wrong. You got that. You know, yeah. <laughs> just making them feel ho- shitty about Wrong. themselves. <laughs> um, I remember, too, there was this one lady. She came in during Christmas. She said, I want an Oculus Rift. Where's my Oculus Rift? I waited in line for it. And I said, well, ma'am, uh, you know, uh, we don't have them in stock, unfortunately. And she's like, well, you mother. She called me a motherfucker. She's like, you motherfucker. You ruined Christmas for my son. And I said, no problem, ma'am. Anything else I can ruin for you today? Yes. Big Dick Doug taking it back. <laughs> oh, no. That, that As if you I, purposefully I, bought all of the merchandise. We're like, sorry, toots. Uh, I miss fucking around with the customers. <laughs> but, the, but that's essentially what Willy Wonka does, right? He's fucking with these people the entire movie. So, yeah, that is very lustful. If we're going to say, especially if I'm saying that he's quote fucking with them. But he he's he's very lustful. You're absolutely right. Like, he just has this, like, the whole time, especially when he's in the boat, and we'll talk about that later, just the way that he... Ah, ew, 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 and ew. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm not making light of child abuse, but as soon as you put it in your mind that he is lustful, he is clearly, inarguably, irrefutably grooming Charlie. He has watched him. He knows his mannerisms. He knows what he will do. And he entices him to a great degree with an entirely new life much like a Michael Jackson. So I'm that's the one sentence you're going to get on that topic, but if you watch it, 
Purple is also the color of, of the head of a penis. Did you notice that? He's he's wearing penis skin on his jacket. Clearly, he's this this gross person. Yeah, see, I never picked up on like the pervertedness of that before. I, I thought of it as him being like this this recluse that wanted a son. So or wanted some wanted some sort of kid to kind of so I didn't see it as that like even watching it again too recently I didn't pick up on 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 what we were referring to but um, no I just figured that he wanted a son yeah in the book he's he's much like that yeah and that's only for this performance and the weirdness I'm just yeah. gonna say I, in honesty I don't think he is that way but if you watch it thinking of it that way you're like oh that's 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 uncomfortable. Well, if, if we're going to say that, though, it's, it's interesting that you do say that, because now that I'm thinking of other Roald Dahl stories, there's very um, strange relationships between adults and children in all of them. The witches was the worst one, I think. The witches, they were trying to kill those kids. Ooh. Well, yeah, the witches, but there was an Angelica actual- Angelica Houston like, could kill me, God damn it! Nah, she could step on me all she wants with those 10-inch heels. Oh, I love that. Like, I yeah. still haven't watched the real, the, or the remake. Why would you? That's like that's like watching a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie with Johnny Depp. Why would any asshole do that? That's <laughs> like diet, diet, diet Coke. <laughs> but even like, okay, so like even in Diet Coke Zero. <laughs> oh my god. I'm trying to think. George's no, the BFG. Have you guys read that one? Big friendly giant or big, big fucking, fucking gun. gun. Yeah, as Ooh. my cousin Oh no, my cousin would just say, Are you reading the big fucking giant again? It make me feel bad when I was reading it by myself. Yeah, Julia, I called you up. But there's just a strange like relationship between adults and the children in all of these books. So you read the book then, Aid, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. See, I, it was weird. I, this is a book I never read. Um, I read Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, but I never read uh, Willy Wonka. It was weird. I it's know. so weird, especially when, okay, the, I think the biggest difference is at the end, because at the end of the book, all of the kids come back and they're all like, they're, and I'm trying to remember this. This is from memory. Mind you, I read this when I was in fifth grade. It was mm-hmm. the last time I read this book. But you see all the kids and how they had to like put them back together after all of the terrible things that happened to them. <laughs> and like Charlie's describing, because the, the whole thing is through Charlie's perspective. So he's describing it how each of the children looks. And I'm thinking, why the fuck would you want to stay there? Like, like, like that's gonna be you. Like, like, what if you get like? I remember. I think Violet got like squeezed, and she was like all like just the way it described how she looked. And and the the book is, I think, a lot more terrifying, honestly, than than the movie. Well, to your point, the book features a character named Herpes Trout. Did you remember that? (laughs) That's Mike TV's original name. Well, I mean, that would make sense. They're all named after, you know, funguses or diseases. Veruca is a, is a wart. Yeah. Violet turns violet. You know, Charlie Bucket th- tossing the bucket. There you well, go. In the book, she's Elvira Entwistle. Violet is Violet Glockenberry. Augustus is Miranda Grope. Oh, that's, excuse me. That's the mom and him. Sorry. Grope is the last name. And then uh, Marvin Prune is a conceited little boy. Wilbur Rice and Tommy Troutbeck are subjects of the Vanilla Fudge Room. I don't know what that means. I literally never read this book. So there's characters that were in the book that were never in the movie then. Cut down significantly, yeah. That's why I kind of wish that when they did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they just did the other characters because that would be, there's no one-to-one comparison. You can't say, oh, this Baruch is not as good if we're talking about Wilbur Rice and Tommy Troutbeck. Yeah, and, and I don't know why they had to add his uh, uh, father for Charlie in the remake when I don't believe he has a father in the book either, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't remember, but, you know, go, looking at this again, too, Grandpa Joe is kind of the 
bad guy in this one. I, yep. I feel like he would sell the entire family once it, like Wonka's like, oh, here you go. Charlie, sorry, you're dead. I'm taking over because he's the one that pushes everything. He was faking a fucking injury for 20 years. For 20 years, he's laying in that bed. And the only thing to get his ass out of bed was for him to go do something he wanted to do. Like, are you serious? I smell welfare fraud. Well, and think about this. Going to greed, <laughs> right? He's willing to accept Charlie paying for his tobacco. And yeah. if you remember the everlasting gobstopper scene, listen closely. You'll hear Grandpa Joe say, and what about Charlie? Defending that Charlie gets his gobstopper because that is a vessel for Grandpa Joe to get the gobstopper. Yeah. It's very interesting that he defends him like that. But you think about it, he's not defending Charlie. He's defending his own self-interest. For sure. I never picked that up. That That's some good insight there. And I fucking watched it last night, too. Wow, I didn't pick that up. I, I always thought it was a weird thing. It's like, what about Charlie? Like, Why wouldn't Wonka give him it? So that's 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 a good point for all you listeners out there. I'm sure you've seen this movie a bunch of times. Pick up on the little subtle uh, references. And that's one of the reasons we did this movie is because you don't have to really rewatch it for the show. And I always love to do those things that are just part of the zeitgeist because, yeah, it is overdone. But that's kind of the point of it. Now, going to... Joe specifically, when you think about if Wonka has courted, observed, witnessed, whatever, surveilled, we'll say, Charlie, thereby he would have done the same for Joe. So he knows what's going on there. So I think it's very interesting that he puts this guy in this situation. And it's only when Charlie dissociates himself from Joe because Joe immediately says, I'm going to make that fucking money off his gobstopper. It's when he does that, Wonka's ready to have intercourse with him. I mean, whatever we ended up saying it was. But also, can we talk about how the movie ends in ritualistic suicide? Anybody? Anybody? That's a good point. When they just crash through the top of the elevator there. It's it's a poetic ending. It's like, well, that, that led up to nothing. I didn't see no parachute on that thing. I didn't see any thrusters. That thing's going to fucking fall to the ground like a can, and they're going to be liquefied together in this tantric sludge. Hey, the best. that's probably why they never made a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you read the book, though, that's the glass elevator. It goes everywhere. Yeah, it, it flies all around in the book. It goes straight to hell. Yeah, see, that's the next one. Willy Wonka goes to hell. I'd love that. <laughs> It'd be Willy Wonka's bogus adventure, right? Or bogus journey. Don't correct me. No, twist ending. You find out that Wonka was, this was all planned. So Wonka is actually the owner of hell. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. He's this Mephisto. Oh, mm-hmm. also, did anybody pick up on the Faustus kind of element when it comes to the signing of the contract? Oh, yeah. They get everything they've ever wanted, and it just costs them their safety, their security, their individuality. And Joe specifically says, Charlie, we have nothing to lose, as if to say, I have no soul to sell you because mine is damned and contemptible as is. Boom. Take that cracked.com. <laughs> yeah, and I like the little reference too with who was a Violet Stats. He's like, I-, I do contracts all the time. This isn't right. right. And, and then he's trying to sell Wonka a car. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. The parents are awesome in this. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm a parent now, but like my favorite parent is Mike TV's mom. She's a very funny, but then B, she's a great cautionary tale of she's a fucking teacher. Yeah. But she still has suffers the pitfall of the easy route of putting your kid in front of the TV, which I get it, dude. It is so fucking easy to be like, hey, kid, here's Mickey Mouse Clubhouse for 20 minutes. Let me think. Let me breathe. But the hard thing to do is to redirect your child, influence them to do something else. And the only other influence in the household is the dad who wants to arm him to the teeth. But he has to be 12 years old. Not till you're 12, son. 
in that tier 12. And did you notice too, like all, there there are some pretty good dark jokes in here too that I kind of, I mean, I remembered, but like, for example, the ransom one, when they just cut to random segments with what's going on, she's like, he's like, oh, I'll do anything for my husband. Hey, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. And it's like, he wants your box of Wonka bars. He's like, how long will you give me to think it over? Yeah. He's like, Mrs. Whatever, it's your husband's life or your case of Wonka bars. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> like all of those little parts when you watch as a kid, you kind of gloss over. Yeah, you never pick it up like that. But watching as an adult, they're, they're so funny. Like when the guy's pissed off at the computer for not telling him where the, the well, case of Wonka bars If is. I may, I actually wanted to touch on that. I have a note right here. Have you seen Terminator? Did Terminator scare you? Does Skynet scare you? This movie beats it. This is the defiant rise of the machines as a gag. <laughs> but think about it. He is subverted by that machine who asserts dominance over him, a foretelling of things to come. Just think Skynet would have all started because that, that guy just told the computer what he could do exactly <laughs> with the box of chocolates. <laughs> da, 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 da. Now, I have another one. The Fox News followers of this show are going to love this, you guys. The reporter who reports on Augustus Gloop a proud Aryan boy, the reporter has antlers behind his head that symbolizing that he is a pagan demigod like the Baphomet and showing that the liberal media is going to be the death of us honest Aryan people. Fuckers. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> well, actually, I think you've activated my 5G shot. It's starting to hurt. The, the look on both of your faces was well worth it. Just to note, I do not ascribe, subscribe, whatever crime to that ideology. I was making a mockery thereof. Chemistry. Would Do we want to talk about how the science teacher, who doesn't know how to do the math of two divided by a thousand, is entrusted with acid and other noxious chemicals in front of children? Yeah, how did he get his job? He had a he had a few uh, what was it uh, knee pads in the closet. I saw to get that job, and then he's willing to abandon the children to go to a, a candy factory. Not the most responsible person. With the teacher, he was always really funny to me. But now watching it as a teacher, like the way he's saying, he's like, "You can't tell me like you can't a student teaching a teacher is presumptuous and rude." And I'm like. Oh. God. <laughs> but that's sort of like the theme of the movie because the adults sort of like the the adults react with the with the children in such a way that they're not like guiding them or, or or teaching them anything right or like doing anything good for them all of the adults are sort of like to the detriment of the children hugely especially with the teacher yeah and then obviously even the even the candy shop guy like he's like giving them all the sugar and then poor charlie's like in the window <laughs> Like a little puppy dog, like doesn't get any of it. Yeah. And then he's singing songs and shit. Yeah, the kids are all getting free candy. And then when Charlie goes into the candy shop, he's like, ahem, ahem. like give me a fucking dime. You're dirty and poor. Please leave. It's, he's a drug pusher. That's what he is. He's a symbolism for that because you always get your first dose for free. So he's given the sugar to the people who he knows will come back to buy the sugar. But he knows Charlie's poor, so he's not going to waste the freebie. Yeah, so see, it was a front for heroin. You know, that's the storefront. There's no candy in there. So he's he's the guy who probably started Robinhood investing app. Ah, that penalty of perjury. Now, if do we want to get into the horrors of medicating children and how you could look at the candy in this as a parable for, let's say, Ritalin, Adderall, so forth, because the adults are placating children, subduing them with candy to get them to shut the fuck up and behave, albeit to ill fate yeah let's go ahead i mean i mean the one who probably needed the most ritalin was uh you know veruca fuck Mm -hmm. 
like I said, Veruca is the one that that's strongly. Like, I, I I just cringe every time I see her. Which she's a good actor, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but yeah, just just her doing that, and you see p- kids like that in real life. I see that all the time. With you know, they're like, okay, here, just please stop crying. I'll give you whatever you want. Just pay. You want this two hundred dollar Bluetooth speaker? I'll buy it for you. Just please stop crying. And the kid's fine for like five minutes. And then it wants this this truckers. You know, fuck that. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because she and Mike TV are the only two characters of the kids who get undone that don't have candy involved. She's undone by being weighted and being bad. If she had just taken some more candy, she would have been calm and collected throughout, maybe. But she also, in real life, became a psychotherapist. So she's probably the hardest one to dissect on this level. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because Mike in the same the same way because their obsessions don't have to do with that because violet loves the gum right so she takes the gum yep and augustus wouldn't get out of the damn river and then how funny is that that when he fought like that's how dark this is and i never noticed how like i always laughed at it when i was a kid but now watching as an adult like when he falls in the river what what is it what was the comment that he said about him drowning and he's like probably like or something like (laughs) I, i have this written down because i thought that this was amazing So there's a question as to whether he pushes him. I will say this. But then his concern is the chocolate immediately. It is not for Augustus' safety. And when they say to get help, he says, help, police, murder. Not he fell in. Not accident. Not manslaughter. Murder. Premeditated murder planned out by a Machiavellian jigsaw in a penis-headed jacket. (laughs) <laughs> yeah see that's great and then I, I don't know if you've seen it it's on youtube it's kind of like one of those things they did for robocop with the fan edit but um there's a gore version of willy wonka where augustus gets sucked into the tube and then his like his eyeballs and his brains like explode it's, it's hilarious it's on my watch list because i wanted to watch it after this so it wouldn't inform too high but that is the default picture on the youtube and i'm like oh wow how old am i on the youtube but on the video and it looks great so you recommend it? Do you endorse this publicly? I recommend it. It, it. It's weird. It's like the first few minutes of the video. It's like these guys all sitting around laughing, doing the the animation and stuff to make it gory. And then it comes out. And I'm like, well, you guys did all that, like 10 minutes of animation. You know what I mean? Like, and it doesn't look as good. Yeah. And you guys are sitting there laughing. And they're sitting there playing Halo and smoking a joint. And I'm like, yeah, you guys don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Unfortunate. Now, do we want to do the vote at this point as far as if we constitute this as a horror movie? This is the one I will distinguish for the month. If you look at it through the lens of is this horror, you can reach horror. I think this is probably the least organically one. Well, no, least organic second to like Freddy Got Fingered because that one wasn't really horror either. It was horrific, but not horror. This one to me is is so depressing and is such a statement that it's really a very good satire and commentary, but I will give it the vote. Yes, it is horror. Well, I mean, for me, I've watched this movie so many times as a kid. We have like the old VHS from like the early 80s. But the thing is, I ne- it never really sat with me as horror. I just thought it was, I love the music in it. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, the first half is like very musical. And then it takes a little break on the second part. Honestly, here, once it gets to the boat trip, then yes, it, it is fixated in horror. Because I will say that, you know, that... The images in there, there's a dead corpse with a centipede on it. You know what? It's meant to scare you. Yep. The chicken beheading. And then the, the weird eyeball that's just like kind of floating around. Yeah. There's like this weird lizard to it, like the teeth moving like that. I mean. Yeah. The chameleon. Yeah. But once you watch it with adult eyes, then you can see, yes, this is all these kids were set up by their parents' failures. And this is all premeditated by a madman who is a recluse and uh, enslaves 
small people in his factory, probably to avoid taxes, you know. (laughs) Is he so different than Kevin Spacey, Adrian? Is he so different? Well, if we're going to talk about Kevin Spacey has a mission, right? And I think so does Willy Wonka. But if we want to talk about whether or not this is horror, I don't know if there's any heads in a box, but I will say that it is number 74 on 100 Scariest Moving Moments from that show. So it's number 74. It beat out Wizard of Oz, which was number 86. Hmm. So that was interesting. And then you ever notice when you Google Willy Wonka or when you're Googling to research for the show, the first question to pop up, it was, is Willy Wonka a serial killer? That's the first thing to pop up. And then what did it say? It said that like people really thought like they did a whole, I don't know if you guys mentioned this when I got up, but they did a fake trailer of like a faux horror film called Gobstopper and Christopher Lloyd played Willy Wonka. No, I've never heard of that. This is a, a psychotic serial killer who lured a group of teenagers in his factory. Uh, so that was sort of to pay homage to what Willy Wonka is. I think it is horrific, especially even if you don't think of it as, as the movie itself is scary. But the fact that these parents are losing their children and quite perhaps very horrific ways because Veruca is supposed to go to the incinerator. Yep. Augusta Gloop is supposed to get... What did she? Where did he say? The little boys have fall into oh the boiling thing or something. Yep. Yeah, the boiling vat. Yeah, Mike is getting stretched like a medieval torture device, and Violet's getting pressed like another medieval torture device. Yeah, they're being violated in these ways, and and so I I think if you're looking at it through parents' perspective, that would definitely be very horrific as well. So that's a good way of saying it. I think the simple element of. Parents should see the danger in this. Kids shouldn't see the danger in this because my kids are fucking just savages. The little fat one wants to just fall off of everything and hit his head on everything. He sees nothing as dangerous. Meanwhile, I have to be hyper vigilant. And it kind of goes to like the placating nature of these parents who don't engage their children. They don't seem to care about them in that way Mm -hmm. because they don't. This is the pitfall. Uh, There you go. If you're a parent, it is a parent that this is horror. There's ah. <laughs> Well, and then the other thing, too, I have this in my notes here. So Mel Stewart, the director, he's not uh, like we mentioned on toys. He's not frou-frou, uh, you know, son of the mask or cats and dogs uh, director. He's directing Shakespearean type films. And in fact, even in uh, what was this movie? I was kind of laughing when I looked at his history. But in 2003, he made a movie called Animal Sex. It's like a, <laughs> it's like an animal sex movie. And then the other ones are like Shakespearean uh, type films. So yeah, that's not the person you'd get, you know, if you were going to make this kitty friendly, you'd get the director of like Cats and Dogs or uh, you know, those Disney shaggy dog movies. Well, I can take you one step further. You know the first film he ever directed it was a documentary on the assassination of jfk oh murder and then his next two movies because this was only his fourth film the next two had to deal with adultery one would say that's lustful behavior maybe that's why it was changed from charlie to willy wonka mm, lust mm. yeah true so see we're, we're we're digging underneath the floorboards of this serial killer <laughs> mr wonka Hopefully it smells better in the chocolate factory than it did on set and in John Wayne Gacy's house. That was actually really chocolate. It had cream and cocoa powder and everything, and it just got revoltingly nasty very quickly. Oh, wow. But I mean, w- what I can say, too, is uh, this this film also, 
So, so how toys had it. Remember how we brought up the, the phobias and kind of like the unseen ones? This one also has a lot of those phobia scenes too. Like when they first get into the factory and they go into that room that starts closing in on them, like the elevator, it's like, okay, that's claustrophobic. And then you get the, there's another phobia. I don't know the name of it. I'm not a PBS guy. <laughs> but uh, when they're going down the hallway, she's like, he's getting bigger or we're getting smaller. <laughs> um, and then just the open spaces, like when you're, you're kind of stuck in that boat. And then there's even a phobia in there too with, uh, I guess, getting creamed in the face. Because that happens. You remember when they get the, oh the, the white stuff all over their face. So there's a phobia for that. Well, this is something that I, you know, I had mentioned when we did the Robocop episode last week that I had gone, I went crazy into the weeds defining what are the the quintessential traits of horror and it's such a spectrum that's very difficult but some of the ones that i had drawn upon were disgust rejection safety and some of these kind of broad kind of very conceptual themes imagination mystery suspense and so literally the first song is talking about using your imagination and that's one of the things that kind of helps you as an audience because not knowing what's real, not having a reliable narrator, those things are very important to establishing a sense of unease. Gene Wilder took this role under the you know very strict guideline that he wanted to hobble with the cane and not be a trustful narrator from there on. You can never trust his motivation. So um, if you if you want more analysis, I got more analysis, guys. We can do this. You ready? Oh, yeah, lay it on us. Yeah. So mystery. The element of not knowing is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. That's why I think there's such a just a staunch overlap with thriller and horror, right? Even noir, to a certain extent, can be very horrific in nature because you want the comfort of normalcy. You want the comfort of a clear narrative. Can you tell me definitively anything about this movie that you couldn't go, well, what about this? Like anything once they enter that factory that is guaranteed absolutely to have happened and in the way that it's presented. Hmm. That's a good question. Well, I, I guess maybe the uh, <laughs> it's tough. That's a right? good question. It, it's hard. Yeah, because the first thing you do is you go to a room where nothing is what it seems. It looks like a toadstool. It's whipped cream. It looks like a daffodil. It's a teacup. So just that. You don't know. And then you go into this weird cosmic wormhole. But think about it. Think about you see the exterior of this warehouse, this facility. This does spatially. This doesn't work. Your mind knows spatially this doesn't work. So that is a mystery. It's an enigma. And so it's something that's to a certain extent, just like toys, unsettling, right? Yeah, and Wonka also does a little bit of that that Hansel and Gretel effect with the witch that kind of makes her house like candy to lure the kids in. Yep. But th there's completely other intentions. You know, granted, this one isn't like, oh, I'm going to try to eat you. This one's like, no, I know who's going to fail the tests that I'm going to lay in yes. front of them. And if they die, they die. Uh, there's more kids in the world. <laughs> Rocky four, baby. That's a great point. And then let's talk about this. Suspense, another key element of horror. Augustus, you could argue, is befallen of unfortunate circumstance he stumbles into some liquid while i do think that he does say hor uh, murder which does at least in some way do you know what actually happened from him as soon as you get your second death you have the suspense of who's next and how they come next because you know through order of operations that this is not going to be everybody's safe it's just a process of elimination like who's going just like your friday the 13th even aliens for christ's sake right 
Yeah, well, here's another thing, too. Um, I had some of it in my notes here, but the Loompa Loompa song, that's not just random. Yes. They, or It's not just for a song. They sing about, like, when uh, when a goose is like, what do you get when you guzzle down sweets, eating as much as an elephant eats? So, it's like they knew Wonka's thing, and they're just kind of like the puzzle pieces. They're the ones pushing it to happen. You know what I mean? Like, they're the ones, they're like the minions to the mastermind. Yeah. It's so unfortunate, because I love the I've Got a Golden Ticket song, but I kind of wish that they only sang in this weird universe inside of that warehouse, White, right? Wouldn't it be interesting and fascinating if even the people who from outside start singing and finding themselves kind of almost out of body, like, this isn't real life. I always wish that was the case, but na-na-na-na-na-na is really good. Adrian, did you? I think I might have cut you off. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up that point that they all get picked off one by one, too, because this is like the introduction to horror for children. Yeah, it sets up rules. It's the same formula. And I really like I really like that you brought that up because I never really thought about that. But as a kid, this was literally, especially like because it was so dark at the beginning and you couldn't wait for them to get to the factory. And then when it gets to the factory, like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And it's just, you know, every second you're going to lose somebody. So that's a love that point. Thank you for bringing that up because I now that I see that's probably why I love horror. I can take it one step further. Look at the characters in Friday the 13th in Nightmare on Elm Street. There are kids who are engaging in premarital sex, drug use. Generally speaking, it's the pristine, sacrosanct Laurie Strode character, the Charlie Buckets, who get through. It's the Mm -hmm. petty, vindictive, shitty people fucking in the woods who get shears to the eyes. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, too, I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or like beforehand, but what, what makes this one so great, in my opinion, is that Charlie Bucket is kind of like this dry erase board with his mind. Like, for example, he's he's not the goody two shoes like like the remake is because they just make him like Charlie Bucket can do no wrong. He's the, he's the golden child. No, this one, he, like he actually gets persuaded to do wrong by Grandpa Joe, which Grandpa Joe is the bad influence on him to drink the fizzy right. lifting drinks because of his greed. Because of his greed. And then here's another thing, too. You mentioned it when he sings, I've got a golden ticket. Motherfucker, you didn't find the coin in the sewer. Greed. (laughs) (laughs) I know. He's like, it's ours, Charlie. Yeah. (laughs) He keeps encouraging Charlie to do this, to have this dream because it's his own fixation. And he knows he's going to be the one. Look at the other three motherfuckers in that. Imagine how fucking pissed off you are if you're the other fucking sperm and ovum donors who are the other half of the grandparent equation in that same stank ass bed and you see this honky motherfucker getting his tobacco paid for that's bullshit but joe has no problem doing it because he's greedy and evil and he deserves to die oh yeah you fake pissing and shitting yourself for 20 years right? and you know and then he's obviously making charlie and the mom feel bad he's like oh you know when when a piece of bread is a banquet i have no right buying tobacco you know, it's like you're making Charlie feel bad. Of course, he's going to buy you tobacco when you say stuff like that. You're like, oh, my grandpa, yeah. he's 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 hurting. But uh, another thing I can say, too, is that uh, I did watch this on 4K. And when, when Grandpa Joe gets off the bed, there is brown. There is brown and yellow stains on that mattress. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's pretty nasty. I'm like, I didn't recognize Ow. that on the old DVD. So, yeah, they were shitting themselves in the bed. They have these buckets. Did you notice the buckets? Under, which I never noticed before. There's buckets under the bed, which I'm like, oh, my God. Those are like the. Yep. Bedpans. Oh, that poor mother. <laughs> not only does she have to like clean people's nasty ass laundry. She's got to come home and deal with all these like. And not just, not just her parents, but like her dead husband's parents, too. <laughs> 
Yeah, she can't even go out and get dicked proper because she has to bring somebody home and see the in-laws and be like, this is awkward. But don't feel too bad for Diane May Sole or however it's pronounced who pays the mom because she didn't sing her own song and she's Millie Vanilli. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. She's- yeah, I mean, that's the song that always made me cringe a little bit. I'm like, yeah, ah, yeah it's the teary song. Yeah, whatever. Let's just get to it. But I can say now for you listeners out there, I don't know if you had the same effect, but when I was a kid, when she was doing the laundry with like that big spoon, it actually made me hungry. I'm like, this is like ramen noodles. I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> and that was like the first time I seen it. I, it made me unconsciously hungry and then you get a scene later on in the movie where Wonka's throwing clothes in like uh in in like this this chocolate mix i'm like oh yeah he's putting the shoe and the coat yeah but i did that was, be- that was like the first time i seen that yeah i remember when she was making if she was pushing that laundry i thought it looked good Ooh, <laughs> oh how is this for a theory just like robocop they're already in hell charlie accidentally had poo stew because he drank the laundry water and he died, and so his real life is a parable in the after. It's probably not my strongest example. We can keep going. Um, safety, Doug. Do you ever think that the kids feel safe after Augustus goes? Honestly, the thing is, the parents are the ones that kind of freak out. The yeah, kids are still point. kind of carefree. You know what I mean? Because even when Veruca goes on that that boat, she's like, she's like, Daddy, I want a boat just like this. Yeah. But the kids are all kind of freaking out, or the parents are all freaking out. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird. It's like the parents don't care. It it, it almost is like this feeling like uh, Augustus when he falls in. She's like, oh, no, you're going to boil him. Like, it's – and it's not an acting. I think that's just how it was in the script because it's like, oh, no, you cooked my kid. What a loss. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the extra 17 grand a month and not feeding that fat fuck. Oh, yeah. He even ate – no, no, it was Augustus's dad, dad that eats the microphone. Yeah. 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 This movie does weird stuff where it makes inanimate objects look good to eat because, you know, Wonka even eats that cup that's like beeswax or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was wax, but I always felt like it tasted like a fortune cookie when I was a kid. I was like, oh, it must be made out of like a fortune cookie. Huh. But now it's made out of wax. And it's gross. Well, see, if this movie was made, now, like if they just re-released it now, they'd have to put a disclaimer. It's like, kids, do not try this at home. Do not eat forks. Do not eat napkins. Do not eat bleach. It's yeah. not good. I know. And then we'll go to the the final one of disgust. All of these kids are meant to gross you out to an extent, right? That when they're eating, they're very feral and just disgusting and it's slovenly and that's easy. Like while we don't get gore, I think we can arguably get disgust through the characters themselves. So I think we've satisfied like seven different spectrums worth of horror. We're good. Well, the chicken beheading is pretty gory. Yeah, the chicken beheading. I mean, I guess you don't really see any blood. But... I don't see arterial discharge, but yes, it would be. But it's terrible. And then, like, everybody's, like, about to throw up. Yeah, see, it was, that's what happened. Like, I remember my mom, she rented, uh, no, we bought Willy Wonka. She liked it, but then we rented some movies. I remember it was Willy Wonka, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then we watched Faces of Death. <laughs> and there's a chicken beheading in Faces of Death. <laughs> Excellent. So, Faces of Death, Willy Wonka, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, good triple features for the kids. There we go. All the same. They're so copacetic. Now, we got about 20 minutes left. Do you want to just kind of walk through the narrative and just say what we enjoy? How about this? What's your favorite song from this film? Oh, you want to go first aid? Oh, my gosh. Let me think. I like the beginning. I like the first song. I do. Like, I literally sing it all the time. The Candyman can. 
Okay. Well, T-Mobile ripped that off, or some. I saw some commercial where they're playing the Candyman song for the new iPhone release. I'm like, get the fuck out yeah. of here! Yeah, with the, all the different colors or whatever. Yeah, fuck that. It's just so much fun because, like, randomly be singing it in the morning, like, who could take a sunrise? Yeah, sprinkle it with dew. Yeah, and he's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, he reminded. Here's another stupid thing where I always do those stupid parallel things. But I used to think that he was Pinstripe uh, Porteroo from Crash Bandicoot. Wow, because he looks just like he has the same haircut, the same like you know barbershop quartet style clothes. Yeah, just weird stuff. But for my favorite song, and I still get I, I got chills when I watched it yesterday. Again, was was uh, I've got a golden ticket. Yeah, because it just it starts off slow, the melody, and then it just kind of goes, and it, I get like arm chills. And it's, it's, it's great. It still holds up. That's a good song. Yeah, yeah. and it's probably the strongest musically. It, it's very it's the most rousing of any of the songs for sure because the Oompa Loompas have a very metric kind of rhythm to it so it's it's not as like fun and flowy and it doesn't rouse you like i couldn't see somebody moshing to that but i could easily see somebody kind of moshing to a certain extent or at the very least i'll say circle pitting to i've got a golden ticket but uh, (laughs) i will have to say my favorite is pure imagination that song is hauntingly beautiful like it is he looks so listless in that he reminds me of gatsby like holding his hand out to like that green light He's not going to have it. He's not going to have his youth back. He's not going to have a child of his own. He's not going to have his autonomy. He's not going to have his privacy. He was always going to be scrutinized. Like There's so many things you could take away from him. And he plays it so fucking well. Like Gene Wilder. I very rarely get that self-righteous indignation of like, how dare you remake something? But I remember feeling that way specifically when it came to Gene Wilder. Nothing against Johnny Depp. But like I could give a shit less if you replaced every other person in this movie, but you digitally Tupac in fucking Gene Wilder <laughs> into your new movie. Oh, yeah, because, you know, like the Wonka candy that you could actually buy. I, By the way, Nerds Ropes are like the best candies ever, and I wish they came back, but they don't. But they use the... It's also a weapon. Swabba! It's also a weapon. Oh, I could see that. Harden it up. Yeah, you got, you got Nerd Rope Nunchucks. Yeah, like a flail that gives you diabetes. Die-abetes. Oh! Um... So, see, there you go. Wonka gave all these kids diabetes. He passed it on to the generations. That's why there's so much type 3 diabetes nowadays. <laughs> Diabetes or whatever. Got <laughs> burgers. But, yeah, they use Gene Wilder as, like, the mascot for all the uh, the Wonka candies now. So, the Gobstoppers. Yeah, it's just that, – that's why I said – I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that, that grew up watching the uh, – because, you know, I, I have some family members – that they say like, oh, I love Willy Wonka. I'm like, uh, they're like, I love Johnny Depp and his rubber gloves. He, he, I'm just like, what? That's not the original. Like, it, it's just Ew. there's no music in that one either. Besides, like the Oompa Loompas, there's no music, which is terrible. Like, like I love basically everything Danny Elfman's ever done, even though he copies and pastes the same musical score on a bunch of stuff. But that movie particularly is wretched. Every song is unsettling. I think that that movie is inarguably more horrific than this one, if I'm honest, because that music is so grating. The CGI is pretty bad, too. It doesn't hold up. I remember I was watching some of it and they're just like, ah. I don't know. It's just this isn't Wonka. It's 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 a different take on it. I don't know. And then the whole thing, there was like a side plot with the it's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember there was a side plot with toothbrush lids. Mm. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember, I remember one thing. part. I remember the house. At the very end, when they pan out and you see that the house is in the factory. And I remember loving that visual. It was such a quaint and beautiful visual that meant that movie was fucking over. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. 
You thought I was sentimental because I'm singing about imagination. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but it's pretty bad when you can't remember Veruca from the remake. I, I can, honestly can't remember Veruca, and she's like the biggest thing about the original that you remember. Yeah, I mean, you remember everything about the original, but yeah, yeah Veruca, I'm like, how do I not remember that character from the remake? That's, that's a bad movie. A lot of people were trying to, at the time, defend this one, saying that Raul Dahl's vision for this movie was much darker, right? Because we know that he wasn't happy with this particular vision. So people are trying to say, okay, this was what he wanted. I don't think Michael Jackson with his his little pretty hair was what oh and his weird teeth. Oh my God. Oh uh, yep. very unsettling. Uh, I can't, you know, and 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 of course with Timber and you know we're gonna see Johnny Depp. We're gonna see Helena Bottom Carter. We're gonna have Danny Elfman. Like it's it's, it's obviously those formulas are nice for a lot of Tim Burton movies. I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, but this did not fit. Yeah. Once Tim Burton started getting money to do these remakes, like, I honestly, I think the last good movie he did was Big Fish. Like, that, that's movie. a great yeah. movie. Yeah. And then, of course, my favorite, besides Beetle- Mars Attacks, like, oh, man, I I love Mars Attacks. I could watch that over and over again. That movie's amazing. But see, that was based, yeah, but see, that was based off the cards. So it was still something. So really, in terms of originality, it's been, and Big Fish was based off a book. I think Beetlejuice was really Tim Burton's, like, last original thing not based off anything right or maybe i'm wrong but i'm just going off the cuff now corpse bread i think maybe oh yeah 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 i like corpse bread i love corpse bread yeah yeah but i mean in terms of like his heavy involvement in it it's a little bit difficult because so much of it's like taken like from him Mm -hmm. like when it came to like what he did with uh, nightmare before christmas he was quote unquote involved so i'm looking at his history so he remakes dumbo terrible Mrs. Peregrine's mm-hmm. Home for Peculiar Children adaptation. Big Eyes, never even heard of it. Oh, that was cute. A biographical comedy drama film. So that doesn't seem right. It's about the life of Margaret Keene, famous yeah, painter. Yeah, the painter. The painter oh, with yeah, the eye. So you never I've... watched Big Eyes? Well, it's a, that's just another adaptation. Oh, okay. Dark Shadows, adapted from TV. Alice in Wonderland, adaptation. Sweeney Todd, adaptation. And then I guess Corpse Bride would be the last quote-unquote independent thing he even worked on much less that he created and he did create the characters that's, that's so nuts sad. Yeah. yeah no we need mars attacks bring back mars attacks for all you people listening out there i know we're getting thrown through the way please bring back mars attacks. we're doing it for <laughs> august i'm telling you now we're doing a bunch of alien shit that's doug's choice Ooh. i have 17 that i'm trying to whittle down you know, there's there's the Mac and Me's, there's the spaced invaders, but I have something. I'm gonna come up with it. You let us know what you want. Alien bullshit slasher spot at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Maybe get a critter in there. They are oh. aliens with some badass bounty hunters. I would love that. Didn't the guy from Critters do Bill and Ted's bogus journey? I think he did. He did the first one, I think, right? I think he did both of them. Yeah, Stephen uh, Hederick or whatever his name. I'm just yeah. going off the cuff. So he did excellent. You were right. Good look at the big brain on Doug. Ah, Doug. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the only big thing on me. Zingo. <laughs> <laughs> the jokes are loading in, my lovely people. All right. So as far as we've touched on songs, we've touched on what candy looks the most delicious to you hosts? Oh, I was, in fact, I was about to mention this. You know what candy looks fucking juicy? It's, it's the one that, Char- it's not even in the factory. It's the one Charlie eats when he gives the, the guy the, uh, he, before he gets the Wonka bar, he eats, it's like a Toblerone bar. The scrum deliciousness. Oh my God. The scrum deliciousness. That's what looks so good. It looked like a giant Toblerone, but like he's just, and Charlie's shoving it down his throat. So maybe there is crack in there. I don't know. 
I don't know. That looks so fucking good. Even watching it last night, I'm like, I really want that. Like, what is that? Oh my god. Aid. I for completely forgot to mention the fu- the opening credits to this is like the most delicious thing in the world. Like just the chocolate. Oh my gosh, with the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Like flowing but, down. I'm like, I just want all of it. Like as a kid, when you were yeah, as a kid, that was wafers. like one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts, right? And then watching it the other day, and I'm like, oh my god, this is the best. Like, I just want that. Uh that was a real candy factory, wasn't it? That was, yeah. I think that was real candy being made. Cause you notice like that's that's like a four by three aspect ratio, and then when it cuts to the actual film, then it goes into like full screen. So man, but yeah, that's that makes me hungry all the time just for fudge and chocolate. Yeah. As a vegan, there are tons of fruit flavored options, and it's just like I just don't want to have fake fruit again. Please fuck off. And so <laughs> I really, when I see chocolate, I can just like smell good baker's chocolate and stuff. And I'm like, God damn it. Like that's the stuff that looks good. The water never looks good, but all the other chocolate in the film is pretty great. Yeah. The water. What did they say? It looked like the Chicago river. I was <laughs> reading. <laughs> that's what Siskel said. Like Siskel, like Aber, I was reading like reviews on this and Aber loved it. For some reason. It looks like diarrhea to me. It was, it was like the Golgothan shit demon. Yeah, everything was just really bad. Like he said that the whole, what did he say about the factory? That it was a, a terrible letdown. He's like, the chocolate river looked like a Chicago river. And the quality of the photography is flat. The other items in Wonka's factory, uh, the bubblegum trees and lollipop flowers, they look cheap. The factory is completely unappealing, which I completely disagree because that was my favorite part of the movie. Like I wanted to run around and eat the cream out of the mushroom and. Oh, you did wanted to do what now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hey, well, here's another little crossover thing for you. Where's OSHA in this? Where's the health inspector? The thing is, <laughs> when I was watching this, uh, I was thinking, remember, there's a scene in Blood Diner when the health inspector comes yeah. by. It's just a real quick scene. And he's like, oh, let me see the back of the store. And then Georgie goes back with his meat cleaver behind his back. So I imagine that's what Wonka would do. He's like, oh, yes, right over here, sir. And he has like... You know, he's like, I'm going to push this motherfucker in the uh, in the chocolate uh, mixer here. Yeah, it was empty for three years. And then they start coming out with stuff again. It's very interesting that there wouldn't be some kind of weights and balances coming in to make sure everything's on the up and up. And then maybe they did. Maybe they turned into your scrum diddly inches. The cleaver guy at the beginning, that guy, remember how creepy he was? I think he he's an actor. Butcher, butcher and I- no, I'm not saying that the guy is an actor. Obviously, he's an actor if he's in the fucking movie. I'm saying that the character is portraying an actor who was hired and enlisted by the nefarious Willy Wonka to entice Charlie. Okay. God <laughs> damn it. I'm not that big of a prick. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. But that's how he, like, that was really scary because he just like creeps up on Charlie and he's got all these knives hanging from his thing. It's like nobody goes in, nobody comes out. Like, and he's got a little poem and shit. Like, He's like going in there and he's killing people and then getting rid of them so they don't come out. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, I, I didn't even think about it because I remember the Cleaver guy. He was pretty creepy as a kid. Nobody ever goes in. Nobody ever goes out. Well, you'd never see him again. No. So maybe that's a whole weird thing where, you know, like people give like weird conspiracy theories, but maybe they're in purgatory. And the thing is, because here's the thing. The teacher's British. Everyone's just kind of mixed in like, is, is is this UK? Is this America? Where the fuck does this take place? You never really know where they are. And I think that, that that was what they were saying. That was the intention of it to be like wherever. Well, the producer said Munich was cheap. So that's why that's where it is. So, But yeah, it, it all is very disorienting, I'd say. like, And Charlie, I always took him to be a bad actor when I was a kid. Sure, he's a veterinarian now, so he wasn't the best of actors. 
but I always thought that he was like Kevin Costnering it and like couldn't do a British accent. And then I realized, oh, maybe he's just not supposed to have done one. No, because the whole family doesn't have it, right? So Grandpa Joe doesn't have an accent either. And how scary is it for a kid if you're going running around underneath a dark bridge and some bald Slugworth guy comes out and like grabs oh, your shoulders? With his scar on his face, like he's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So it is a horror movie. Like he's stalking these children. All the while working with Willy Wonka at the end, like we're supposed to be okay with you, like coming up to me and like, like whispering. Remember when he's whispering, he's helping Veruca up the stairs is so creepy. He's helping her up the stairs and he's whispering. And like, as a kid, you don't really notice him doing all of these things. But as you get older, like you notice, like he's in all of these scenes, like about the way he's helping Veruca up the stairs. It's a a little weird. Now, let me ask both of you here, because I... I don't really know what to think of it. Now, what do you think about the ending for, like, you see Wonka's office, everything's split in half. What's the symbolism behind that? I want to hear your guys' opinions, if you had one. I don't I just thought it was really weird. Do you want the horror version or the sad version? In both. Hey, that helps our argument more for horror. I mean, we're already teetering towards horror, but if you want to maybe it's like he's halfway fulfilled with life. And That's what I've always know, taken it take? to be in terms of, like, he will... It's not even that he's like half of a person. It's that he can't be made whole. You can't take another half of a tea glass and glue it to that half and make it a whole tea, you know? And so when it comes to that, I always took it as this sense of longing and incompletion. And then when it came to the horror element, the fact is, is that it's it's this disorienting, like vivisection of things where it's disfigured, which again, kind of goes to the discomfort or goes to the disgust element of horror. Perfect. I, I'd say the same thing. Like, I, I definitely teeter-tottered on that whole thing. It's like, he just, he's, he's half of a shell of a man, yeah. and that's why he does that whole flip out. But, I mean, Aid, did you think anything other than that, or pretty much the same I, stuff? I just thought that maybe, like, he wasn't all there. So, like, if it's, if he's if he's mentally not all the way there, nothing else is that complete. So, same premise, I suppose, as, as the two of you. Which is, it is really sad now that you say it like that, though. Well, Ed Gein was sad, Aww. too. He was lonely. What's the difference? This guy, one guy takes dead skin with nipples from ladies on, and then one guy takes penis heads and turns it into a purple jacket. Disgusting. But I would like to posit to you, my friends, of the month of May, which do you think is the most horror? We had Jawbreaker, Toys, Freddy Got Fingered, Robocop, and now Willy Wonka. Oh, man. Now, if you're asking, are you asking the audience? You're asking us personally. You personally. And, and there's no right answer. I'm not going to crown a, a champion. There's just the three of us. I'm just curious as to what you think. You know, not to be self-aggrandizing, I still think RoboCop, but I also think RoboCop is the easiest of like the last, uh, well, you know, of the ones we've done. Yeah. Well, RoboCop is essentially, a, you know, a retelling kind of like the whole Frankenstein's monster. So, yes, yeah. it does border on horror. But I think what really and I could take it, my, my buddy Coker, who listens to the show a lot, he he smoked some indica or sativa yeah. hybrid for you uh, Prius owners. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So he, he watched and he said he was terrified. He was mortified. And he was he was so gone, like just watching. It's like, man, that's fucking scary. Speaking of toys, right? toys yeah yeah toys yeah because he mentioned that in one of the comments and i was like oh yeah we broke someone i think the visuals in toys are the most freaky because of those long corridor hallways at the end that's just me personally because i am a claustrophobic person gotcha weird enough to say i don't know i don't want to say toys is the reason for that but um i think just the scenery sticks with me a little more but in terms of psychopath uh you know willy wonka and well freddie got fingered no he just needs some riddle and that's really job jawbreaker is dark Jawbreaker is very dark when you strip the comedy away from it. 
but in terms of like most horrific i i don't know it's it's a weird grab bag it's a weird grab bag maybe we make one movie where all of these things combined you know robocop's going into the high school of jawbreaker and then they inadvertently break robocop and he gets sent to the factory of toys and they realize the factory of toys is run by willy wonka <laughs> but then Willy Wonka, instead of tripping and falling down and standing up, he's in a wheelchair that's rocket propelled and he launches out of it screaming, Daddy, would you like some sausage? Right. Yeah. So all while like, uh, yeah. And then you realize it's all in the mind and it's all drawn out by Gord. <laughs> oh, God. No. Aid, what do you think? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. Like, I probably if I was younger, I would definitely say Robocop. Especially like you guys were talking a lot about Dutch Dread on the show last week. And that always scared me when I was a kid. It just terrified me. So I always, I always put those two in the same. I don't know why. Yeah. I guess because they looked the same to me when I was young. Because whatever. But if we're going to talk about her, like scary, I would probably say that Toys, between Toys and Willy Wonka is, is probably the most disturbing. Just because I feel like as a kid, you're drawn to those both those movies. But then you don't, so you don't really realize like why they're scary. You're just watching it. But then as you get older, like you kind of see the things that are terrifying about them and they just become more visceral as an adult than they would have as a kid. Because, because like you said earlier with the kids in Willy Wonka, I don't think they were necessarily scared for themselves once they saw one pop out. They're just like, whatever, let's go to the next room. Right. They don't get it because they're children. And because they're so selfish, you know, when you're egocentric like that, you don't, there's no relativism. There's no, that person can be me, but you as the audience say that person can be me. And that's what makes you feel jeopardized. So yeah, you're right. And yeah. Just like in Jawbreaker with the girls not giving a shit about killing their friends. So yeah. So it's a weird teeter totter. Like you said, like the whole withhold toys and Willy Wonka. But I think what makes Willy Wonka less, I mean, it's still categorized as horror but i think the music yeah because the music is so good it, it just oh, takes yeah. you away from that horror element for a bit whereas toys is just bizarro throughout you know what i mean it's just unsettling and kind of just stuck in that world for two and that's a two-hour movie well willy wonka no willy wonka is an hour and 40 minutes so but it's also not like music like you know years later you'd have movies like jeepers creepers that would do that oh you're playing the carpenters but it's spooky now like it, it doesn't work that way with the willy wonka songs they're just they're good songs that are you know soul enriching if you believe in souls mm -hmm. all right gang so doug let's say i finish this episode and i'm like god damn it i need more doug in my ears and eyes how can we achieve that as an audience well what you can do is you could dip your nutsack in honey and tune on uh, Roku on B Movie TV on Friday night action at 8 p.m. There's a really good one. Uh, well, actually, I think they'll be repeating it. But yeah, we got blood hands. I got some blood on my fists here. So if you like you like greasy tank top people from the early 90s that should have been in the narc video game from the arcades, <laughs> give Friday night action a watch here because you'll, you'll definitely have a good time. Uh, and uh, if you want to give me a follow, keep up on all the shit I'm doing. It's Doug Bizarro at Doug Bizarro on Instagram. I myself also have a show on B-Movie TV, which is Saturday Night Terrors. You can find me there uh, with Gacy Jones being my alias or Slasher's Pod. You're usually talking to me. Now, Adrian, if I wanted to purchase things with money or just support monetarily because I'm a good person, like maybe the best person ever, like maybe I'm in direct competition with the ghost of Mother Teresa and I'm like, I need to prove how good I am. How could I monetarily support this show? Well, you can monetarily support us by supporting our Patreon, which you can find on our link tree on either our Instagram at Slashers Pod or on our Facebook 
or also posted to the Mutant Goons uh, from Beyond page. And you can buy t-shirts with our lovely logos and all of the things that you love about this show on our on our Redbubble account, which is slasherspod.redbubble.com. Boom. And you're also pathologically ADE on Instagram. My name is Jake saying goodbye and good die. Happy Monday, you salty poo-poo nuggets, or whatever day it is you are listening to this on. You know, if you subscribe to this dumbass show, it can download for you so you don't have to burn a single calorie and getting it into your crusty ears. Oh, I am Cyber Slash 1000 by the way, I should mention that. I should also mention that the hidden track this week is by Suffering Hour. The song is Transcending Antecedent Visions off their album, The Cyclic Reckoning. You can find links to all their righteousness in the description of the episode. I'll shut up and let you enjoy this song because I have already listened to it about a dozen times today. (laughs) 